brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's not the same when you don't have music. Gordon Klein behind the glass producing the show. I'm Dave Lockren. It's Adam Scher with me today. MLB strategy show presented by Super Draft. The only place where you can play whoever you want because there are no salaries. It's straight up multiplier mode. The only place as far as I know right now you get $20 when you deposit your first $100 or more. Or if you're working with a slightly smaller bank roll, deposit $10 and get $10 straight injected into your account simply by using the promo code awesome 10 awesemo one It's a very cool format. I suggest you check it out. No salaries, but multipliers instead. So the greatest pitcher, the best players have a 1x salary. Whatever they score is what they get. But when you look for value, whether it be basketball, football, or today specifically baseball, you're getting value at maybe 2x what they produce. If a pitcher scores 20 fantasy points, you get 40. Uh, and that's how you find value instead of finding minimum salary or, or, or low salary guys on something like FanDuel or DraftKings. And some really attainable wins over there. You're not going up against 100,000 other people. You're not going up against 150 lineups from, you know, a handful of uh, the same people. What you're doing is, uh, well, putting your uh, lineups in contests that are winnable. And you get some free money, free Supercast, just by using that promo code AWESEMO10, A-W-E-S-E-M-O-1-0, all one word. Go to superdraft.io or download it in the App Store. All right, let's jump into it, Adam. Ten games to get to today. And, uh, well, the pitching is, I'd say there's some solid pitching. DraftKings pricing is a little bit different than we'd normally see. We'll go across all of the sites. Uh, initial thoughts here. Where are you at on pitching? Is this one where you feel like we've got a bevy of options? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of quality options. There's 
not a lot of guys that you feel really, really confident in. You don't have, I, I don't think that you're going to have necessarily as much concentrated chalk today as you've had on some other slates, but at the respective price points, I think there's a lot of, of different options you can consider. And as you know, happy to have everyone with us. If you're coming or sticking around following the NBA strategy show, welcome as well. Hit that thumbs up on your way in the door. So, okay, let's dive right into this one. We've got ourselves 10 games. We'll kick it off with the New York Mets uh, at the Washington Nationals. Before we do, though, before we do, though, uh, how did your night go last night? Awful. <laughs> what, what happened? I don't know. I just lost a ton of money. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Your response, though, is uh, was was solid gold right there. It doesn't even matter what sport we're referring to. Last night was just shit. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> All right. across the board. Let's skip last night's recap then and go straight to today. Let's wash this slate clean. Um, all right. Let me let me make hold on. Let me make sure we've got we've got the same set up here because um hold on a second do we have jordan i'm hold on i'm gonna look let me make sure something you got this new york game on here that game's not on the slate is it on the FanDuel slate nope i didn't think so all right so let's skip over that one Good start. And let's go straight to, I think the first one we've got would be Minnesota-Pittsburgh, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So let's get down to Minnesota-Pittsburgh uh, and kick this one off here. 7.05 uh, Eastern time start. Randy Dobnat and uh, Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams, I actually want to start with him because he's he's one of the the stranger pitchers that's given me some problems and it's 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 Generally speaking, my fault for ever rostering this guy in the first place. Uh, you know, you had him last year, and I'm going to use last year's stats. We can get into this year's stats uh, a little bit if we want to as well, Adam. But just starting with last year, since we actually have uh, a considerable sample size, he struck lefties out at 12%. Uh, so when he would be facing heavy righty lineups where he struck them out at 22%, didn't walk them, but still gave up a decent amount of power and homers, I was willing to at least take some shots. Uh, he is one of those pitchers where you usually just want to ignore him altogether. Uh, and that should be the case, especially today against a very powerful Minnesota uh, Twins lineup. Yeah, he's someone that I'm, I'm actually paying some attention to as far as just what he's throwing because he has made some changes this year, it appears. He had talked in the spring training about having a curveball now, which he's throwing around 8% of the time, which is up from about 0% last year. Um, he's also thrown his slider a lot more through his first two starts, and that has led to a higher uh, strikeout percentage than normal. So he's someone that I think maybe there's a chance is a better strikeout pitcher than we've seen in the past. But you're also talking about now going up against this Minnesota team where you're just really not going to be interested in pitching basically ever. So I think that I, I, I'm not particularly interested on on this slate, uh, though he is really cheap. But it's more so I, I do want to pay attention to him just to see if it's something that I can use in the future. What about Randy Dobnak? Uh, he is pretty much a three-pitch pitcher. He, he he doesn't really throw the four-seamer. Last year in, in, his, in his cup of coffee, he did. Uh, now it's basically sinker, slider, and changeup. Uh, you take a look at the whiff percentage on these pitches. The slider and changeup both get – Pretty solid numbers. Now, granted, it is very early in the season, so take this with a grain of salt. But last year, 
Um, and well, and this year, 23% whiff rate on the slider, 17% on the changeup. He's throwing them uh, 31 and 17% of the time, respectively. Uh, he's priced at 7,200 uh, in Pittsburgh, pitcher-friendly park at PNC. And uh, well, I don't know. I, is is there any is there any justification to to look at somebody like him today, knowing that his his swing and miss stuff actually isn't that bad on his breaking and off-speed pitches? It's not the kind of guy that I normally look at. Like the argument that you would make is that he's relatively inexpensive. He threw 94 pitches his last time out. The Pirates aren't very good. They have a 3.9 implied run total. You can see how he would get to like 2x his salary um, if he's able to not get unlucky with balls in play. But there's, I, I think that there's strikeouts just give you such a higher floor in addition to a higher ceiling that I prefer going to guys that I think have more strikeout upside. And he's just never really shown that at any level. Um, in the majors so far, he hasn't struck out a lot of guys, uh, you know, small sample size, but going back to last year, 24% strikeout rate against righties, 15% against lefties. But even looking at his minor league numbers uh, at AAA in 2019, he struck out 18.7%. At AA, he struck out 23%. Single A, he was down around 16%. So I think there's still a path for him to be viable just because the Pirates aren't very good. But I would rather take my chances on guys that have more strikeout stuff. Yeah, quite a bit of hard contact allowed too. Um it, again, it's it's very limited sample. I think he's thrown like 30 or 40 career innings at the major league level, but uh, he's got an XFIP around three and a half. So it, it it doesn't surprise me that the Pirates have a run total of 3.9. I could see, as you put it, I could see a path here uh, to success for him. And one of the reasons is the guy just doesn't allow home runs. Uh, you, you look at his, his minor league numbers and then his short – a history of major league numbers. He does not allow a lot of, a, a lot of uh, power, which is odd because he allows a decent amount of hard contact, but much of that is because his ground ball rate is insanely high. Uh, and, and we've seen that like his ground ball rates up around, I think 56%. So I don't think it's the craziest idea to, to think that he might be able to come out there and have a good game. But what you're saying is, is probably the most important here. he, if he goes seven innings, one run, and like four strikeouts, that should be fine. But the floor is lower on somebody like him because for every run that he gives up, uh, he's not going to be able to mitigate that with a strikeout or, you know, three strikeouts. It's kind of like a poor man's Kyle Hendricks. Like not saying he's anywhere close to as good a, a pitcher as Kyle Hendricks, but it's the same problem that that you run into with guys like that, where like in Hendricks case, he's very likely to limit runs against him because he's a, a good real life pitcher. But if he does get unlucky on balls in play and gives up three or four runs, it's really difficult for him to get those points back. And it's the same thing with Dobnak, who, like you said, it's gonna be tough to get those points back. And because he's not close to as good a real life pitcher, he's more likely to give up runs in the first place. What about bats from either side? The Twins, 5.2 implied total, 3.9 from Pittsburgh. Let's start with the, with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, obviously a team that's, that's, that is uh, loaded with power throughout this lineup, just really talented bats from top to bottom. And Nelson Cruz doesn't seem to be getting any older. You know, he, he just keeps hitting. And while he doesn't he, – well, he's got three home runs, I think, in 43 plate appearances – uh, he's just smoking the ball right now, and he's just one of many on this team that can give a pitcher, lefty or righty, a very difficult time. 
Yeah, I think the Twins are in a pretty good spot at 221 ISO to lefties, 231 to righties. And this Twins lineup obviously has a ton of power top to bottom, but also a lot of guys that aren't really that easy to strike out. Um, so guys that put the ball in play, guys that have a ton of power, doesn't really set up for a pitcher like Williams, who may or may not have decent strikeout stuff, but definitely does have home run issues. The the Twins also are affordable, which makes them you know even easier to get to, obviously. Yeah, it really does. Uh, we wanted to pull up their numbers this year against righties. It's still pretty early, but we can start to look at this a little bit. Uh, against righties, the Twins' isolated slugging is – it's got to be top 10, right? Maybe not. Yeah, fifth. Fifth in the league, 219 ISO. Uh, it, it's This is a tough spot. Uh, 120 WRC plus for this team. I, I do like them, and like you mentioned, they're not that expensive. So uh, when you're looking at pricing here – you have uh, Nelson Cruz at 4,900, Miguel Sanoa, but there are a couple that are down there in that low 4K, high 3K range that makes them really interesting. Uh, what about what about the Pittsburgh side? Not too interested there. I mean, they are really cheap. So if you're looking to pay up for two pitchers, you can you know take a shot on them. But the one bat that that would really stand out would be Josh Bell, and he's expensive. Um, $3,500 for Gregory Polanco if he's in the lineup is a reasonable price tag for him. I think that's a, another decent one-off play. All right, let's talk about Cleveland and Cincinnati. By the way, uh, we do have the top stack, the, the top stack tool uh, updated, and uh, as of now, it looks like Minnesota is garnering quite a bit of ownership. So keep that in mind. This will change throughout the day, no doubt. Uh, but they are getting a, and TJ Antone. Uh, did you see, did you see how he spells this? Yeah, T J A Y. Yeah. Is it TJ or is it TJ? <laughs> Serious question here. I don't no actually know. I'm, I'm assuming TJ. Let's start with him. He threw four and a third innings uh, on the 27th, allowed one run on a homer, walked one, but struck out five. Uh, a curious pitcher here because Cleveland is the type of team that is not going to strike out at a high clip. Uh, they're going to make life miserable for most pitchers they face. Uh, righty's no exception. And this guy, 26-year-old righty in his first season at the major league level, he's only thrown four and a third in it. Uh, he has never been a particularly good strikeout pitcher. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, he's not, he's never been a particularly good strikeout pitcher. You know, even at triple A, A plus, double A, around 20, 21%. The way that that's going to translate at the majors it probably won't be all that pretty. So that's another spot where I would be a little bit concerned. He's another pitcher that gets a decent amount of ground balls uh, and doesn't give up a lot of pop. But if you're putting the ball in play against a team like the, this Indians team, it could be trouble if you're not getting strikeouts. Yeah, he, I mean, he's 4K flat. You can pretty much always justify going to that to pitchers at that price point in tournaments if they're fully stretched out. He threw 69 pitches his last start. So if you're assuming he gets somewhere around – or sorry, his last appearance. If you're assuming he can go somewhere around 80, uh, that that's fine for the 4K salary. The problem is just that it's a really unappealing matchup against an Indians offense that has a lot of good hitters in it, not as deep as it has been in previous years, but still a pretty scary top of the lineup here. Um, you mentioned the ground balls. They they did look good for him in the minor leagues. He His strikeout numbers weren't great, like you said, 21.7% at AAA, 20.2% at AA last year, but ground ball percentage is up above 50% at both levels. So you, you can certainly make the price argument, but it's certainly not a spot that I have any reason to be confident in, in him doing well. 
What about Clevenger? Very early on, uh, only a couple starts under his belts, but uh, he is generating fewer swinging strikes. And, and there are a couple numbers that you know, concern me a little bit. His outside swing rate is down. I shouldn't say concern me. It's very early. Uh, but zone contact is up a lot. Uh, there, if you were to look at these numbers season over season, you would definitely be a little bit concerned. Uh, fortunately, it's still very early on. Is there anything you've identified with Mike Clevenger uh, if we're going on Brooks baseball or something and, and seeing whether or not this is just fluky, whether or not he's had some tough matchups and everything is fine, uh, or if there's reason to, to think that, that maybe there's something about Clevenger uh, that, that, isn't, that, that isn't getting where we need it to be? Because I didn't see really anything significant. If anything, I saw a slider and, and curve getting actually better straight swinging strike numbers. I was going to say, I think I'm actually, if, if we're going to take anything away from his first two starts, even though they weren't great or one of them, you know, wasn't good. I'm actually more optimistic about Clevenger. And the reason is that he's throwing his slider and his curveball more. Um, yeah. he, he's always been a pitcher that can get swings and misses on all four of his pitches, but Anytime you're going to start throwing the curveball and the slider more, you're going to get better swinging strike percentages. So I think that's Change up too. His his four seam usage is down ten percent, which I don't yeah. know if that's good, but it shouldn't hurt him. Yeah, change up up as well, like you said. His fastball velocity is down a little bit, but he's still sitting above ninety four miles an hour, which is is fine. Um, his his two matchups this year were against Kansas City, which obviously is a good matchup, and Minnesota, which is obviously a terrible one. Um, if you look at the plate discipline numbers from those two starts 13.3% swinging strike percentage against Kansas city with an above average 31 and a half percent. O swing percentage. So those numbers looked really good. Then against Minnesota, they dropped to 11.4 and 28.1% respectively. So not surprisingly, he just, his numbers are being weighed down by the start against the twins. Um, if anything, I'm more optimistic about Clevenger. Um, but you know, I, I think that he's a really good option here. His salaries come down to 9,200. The reds aren't the scariest, offense in the world they're not bad but they're they're not you know the Yankees or the Twins so um Clevenger I think is is one of the better pitching plays and if you're projecting probably six lefties in this lineup right um yeah I think so I would think around six he he last year faced 266 lefties 233 righties uh, he was one of the, he struck lefties out at 28%, righties at 41%. So uh, he, he does have a, a distinct advantage when he's got a, a heavier righty lineup. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but at the same time, if, you know, if you can flirt with a 30% K rate against lefties, uh, I can't say I'm concerned about that. So uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's a spot that, that I'm willing to get to. He's not overpriced either. He's actually pretty affordable. Uh, against righties this year, the Cincinnati Reds strikeout rate is probably in the middle. Oh, it's uh, 22nd. Still very early, only 290 plate appearances. They're walking a ton, too. Uh, Do you put any weight in that? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some, I mean, you have a healthy Joey Votto, which obviously is going to drive down the strikeout percentage. Um, but Overall, there, there's still K's to be had here. Castellanos will strike out. Suarez will strike out. Uh, the bottom of the lineup with Galvez and Barnhart's not great. So um, I think it's a pretty average lineup. What about hitters from either side, Cincinnati or Cleveland? Uh, is, is this a spot where Antone is, is somebody that we should be targeting against? Uh, and before you answer that question, right now, Cleveland is not getting a lot of ownership at all, um, but also not one of the greatest value stacks either. Yeah, not great value there, um, especially, I mean, they're they're more expensive or, or the same price, basically, as the Twins. Um, I think that does make it so there'll be an, an interesting tournament pivot because it, it's they're not going to be preferred to the Twins by by optimizers. Um, it's, it's mostly the top of the lineup here with uh, Ramirez, Lindor, and Santana, but I do think it's worth mentioning that there's more power in the bottom of the Cleveland lineup than there are in most lineups. When you look to guys like uh, Santana and, and Reyes, there's power there and they're cheap. Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado have speed and they're pretty inexpensive. So I do think that the the Indians are a team that you can use the cheap guys in stacks and you're sacrificing less in terms of upside than on a lot of teams when you go to their cheap players. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mike Clevenger right now, he's he's getting quite a bit of ownership on, on DraftKings, second highest projected owned pitcher uh, and then third highest on FanDuel. So Definitely not going overlooked at a low 9K price point, specifically on DraftKings. And I don't think he should be. Uh, but you know, if you were looking to get away from that, well, I think we have a couple guys that we can discuss might be viable pivots. Uh, we'll get to the next game here, though, with Toronto and Atlanta. Uh, Hinjin Ryu and Sean Newcomb. We'll start with Ryu. He last season was really spectacular. He never really pitched as deep as we needed him to go. Uh, fantasy wise, which was kind of a little bit concerning, not concerning. It just, it was frustrating because you wanted to rush. This guy made it very difficult to do so. His first two starts though, he hasn't gotten through five innings. Now, to be fair, the nationals and rays are two teams that that'll make a, an opposing pitcher work. I have no doubt about that. Uh, particularly a lefty here, but he, he hasn't looked great. He's allowed eight earned. Uh, he hasn't gotten through five innings in either. I don't want to, again, read too much into this, but when you dig into Rio, what are you seeing after his first two starts as a member of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah, and I think it's tough to put too much weight into two starts, obviously, but yeah. he's never been – like, he, he's a really, he was a really good pitcher last year, but he never really had that same upside as other, you know, top-tier pitchers did. And But how so much of that I, was I, just because he didn't pitch deep enough into games? Yeah, um, but, but he also – doesn't have quite the same strikeout stuff as a lot sure. of guys up at the top. Um, so I, I think that the nicest thing here is that while it we have to kind of wait and see what he's what, what he looks like this year, you know, we still only have the two starts, and so far he has been hit hard. You know, three ninety seven expected wOBA to righties, four hundred five to lefties. So it's not like he's been getting unlucky in those first couple of starts. He's expensive in another tough matchup against the Braves, where they have a lot of of right handed power in that lineup. So I think it's going to be pretty easy to just not get to Ryu here, and then kind of look at his stuff more once we have data for a third start. Yeah, I, I don't see myself getting here either. Uh, Sean Newcomb on the other side, man. 
he was always somebody that another good pitcher, just not a particularly high upside guy. He's only made two starts this season, but uh, Adam, he's done nothing in terms of getting in in terms of getting batters to swing and miss. Both matchups have come against the Mets. He went three and a third in the first one, only allowed one run, but it took him 82 pitches to get that far. 79 pitches in four and a third innings, coughed up six runs and two homers in his second meeting against the Mets. Now he's got a Blue Jays matchup, which you know I, I assume you could could state is is an easier one. But uh, with Sean Newcomb coming in at not uh, six thousand dollars, do you see any do you see any merit to to saying all right? You know what? He's cheap enough. Uh, he's he's getting some ownership right now, around twenty percent. Uh, and a lot of that is because he's so, so incredibly cheap. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the only thing you can point to is the salary. He's a decent pitcher and he's only 6K. I don't think it'll really be necessary on this slate. Um, I do also think it's a tough lineup for him. Toronto obviously does have strikeouts in their lineup, but they also have tons of right-handed power with Bichette, Hernandez, Guriel, Guerrero, Grichik, all in this lineup. And then you know, even the bottom of the order is right-handed as well. Newcomb was someone that when he first came up with Atlanta, uh, looking at his minor league numbers, he had been a reverse splits guy in the minors, and it kind of looked like that was going to continue. But as is normally the case, reverse splits tend to, to even out over a bigger sample. And if you look back to the start of last season, he's only struck out 20% of righties compared to 24% of lefties. He's allowed a 171 ISO to righties compared to 108 to lefties. So he's gone back to being you know a traditional left-handed pitcher that struggles with right-handed bats and right-handed power. I think it's a really scary lineup for him. It's the kind of spot where if he were not getting ownership, I'd be somewhat interested in in rolling the dice on him in tournaments and just hoping that I get a good game out of him. But if 20% of the field has that same idea, I'd rather be going to Toronto stacks, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I I don't, I don't disagree. It's weird too, because against lefties this year, um, he hasn't faced a ton of them, but only 3% swinging strikes. Uh, When we talk about these type of splits balancing out, I would expect that to be the case. Uh, he, he's someone in 2018 and 2019 had a swinging strike right around 12% against them, 10.5 against righties. It makes sense, especially as a lefty. But um, I don't, I don't know if the upside's here anyway, right? Like it, even if he has a a, a decent start, I, I think it's a it's, it's a tough matchup. You already mentioned there's a decent amount of righty power in this lineup. I'm not sure that he gets there and. If Newcomb's going to be 20% owned, I get it's a two-pitcher site, but this is a 10-game slate. Uh, If he's going to be 20% owned, Adam, this might be actually a very good spot to get away from and go to the Blue Jays like you're talking about. Ownership definitely factored in. Yeah, and one other thing to keep in mind, too, is that the Braves had said coming into the season they were going to be pretty cautious with their their pitchers. And we've gotten some good results from Atlanta pitchers, namely Max Freed, but it's been – like, like Freed's been getting pulled at 80, 82 pitches. Soroka, before he got hurt, was getting pulled around 82 pitches. In his first two starts, Newcomb's gone 82 and 79 pitches. If Atlanta's looking to get their these young starters out of there between 80 and 85 pitches, Newcomb is not an efficient pitcher. He throws a lot of balls. He walks guys. You're really running a risk with someone like him, in addition to the fact that it's just, it's just not a great matchup and he's not a great pitcher. You're running the risk of just getting like four innings, 80 pitches, and a very, very mediocre start at high ownership. Okay, so where would you put Toronto right now in terms of preference, talking about stacks here? 
in case anybody was wondering, and I'm sure they were, they're getting virtually no no aggregate ownership whatsoever on this slate. Yeah, I mean, I really like them. It, it's always it's tough, obviously, to say this early as far as preference goes, but um, even more so. I mean, it's not like they are a, an incredibly probable team to be the top scoring on the slate. You know, you have a game in course field. You have some really bad pitching in other games. But like you said, they're getting virtually no ownership. Right now we have them getting about 2%, 2.8% aggregate ownership on DraftKings with a 4.1% chance of being the top stack. But then you also weigh in that if Newcomb is getting – 20% ownership, you're killing 20% of the field if, if Toronto goes off. And on top of that, they're not one of these teams that you're just hoping they string together a bunch of singles and doubles and that they pile up. These guys have legitimate power really top to bottom in this lineup, or at least, you know, one through six or one through seven. So I think that as far as, you know, kind of middle of the pack probability stacks go, Toronto's got a ton of upside. They do. And it's not like Newcomb is is excellent at, at preventing power. He's He's been good but he hasn't been impervious to giving up home runs. So uh, if I'm factoring in uh, his a low ability to get swings and misses and an early start to the season that hasn't looked particularly good and a guy who has, you know, what, 19, 20% strikeout rate normally against righties, that all, that all makes him seem really appealing. I'm with you. Let's talk about Kansas City and Chicago. But before we do, uh, want to let you guys know about what we offer at awesomemode.com. I know you, most of you um, are, are, are with the shows or with the channel uh, and watch our shows daily, and we appreciate all of you. But if you're new to the channel, if you're new to the MLB show, go over to awesomemode.com slash join and check out what we have to offer. Right? Even if you just scroll down to the bottom and check out all the tutorials on our tools, our best, most popular tools, all of them developed and used by Alex Baker, number one ranked DFS player in the world. You know him as Awesomeo. Uh, we don't just slap his name on him. He actually uses these tools, developed them to uh, himself. The, like the top stack tool, the owner to best ownership out there, the, the best projections you're going to find for pretty much any sport. Uh, all of that over at Awesomeo. You go to awesomeo.com slash join and you scroll to the bottom. You can see how all of those are used so you know what you're getting before you dive in. Uh, if you want to go to awesomeo.com slash join. And when you do check out all of the different subscriptions uh, we have to offer as well, we have something as low as $3.95 a week. It's our express package. We have weekly passes uh, for Awesomeo Plus. I think the best bang for your buck, no question, is the monthly Awesomeo Plus all access. So you're getting all everything we have for baseball, basketball, when football comes up, uh, MMA, if you're into that, NASCAR, uh, our, all of our awesome PGA content, you name it, NHL as well, Jake Harry putting in a ton of work over here. Uh, so everything we have, premium articles to the projections to ownership, top stack tool, lineup builder, uh, the Fantasy Cruncher add-on is is um, an add-on, but everything else is included with that Awesome O Plus uh, all access monthly. So check that out at awesomeo.com slash join. And like I said, scroll to the bottom, check everything out before you dive in. So you know exactly what you're getting before you do. Okay. Kansas city and Chicago Cubs, you Darvish, Chris Bubik, Bubik or Bubik? Bubich. Oh, it's, he's a, he's an Eastern European. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> that's how, that's how you would pronounce it. If he was in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, Nur yeah. it's uh, Nurkic's cousin. Yeah, exactly. You uh, Darvish, though, towing the rubber for the, the Chicago Cubs. A lot of people were very excited for him coming into this season. You know, thought he'd figured something out. He even tweeted about a new pitch of his. I don't know if you saw that. I forget what he called he's, it. He's like, already got eight. How can he have more? 
He said he created a new pitch. I, chat will correct me on this because I forget what he called call it. Something like the dominator or something ridiculous. Uh, I know chat will, will, will tell me what he called it, but had some nasty movement, man. I don't know how practical it is, but it was kind of fun to watch him do it. His last start against Pittsburgh was spectacular. Uh, seven strikeouts, six innings pitched. He allowed two hits, no runs. But he has been somebody that since he came to Chicago has been, you know, I almost was going to say mildly disappointing, but he hasn't. He had been very disappointing uh, in many spots. But, yeah, coming off of that last start, he got 18 – or I'm sorry, Adam, he got 20.9% swinging strikes, which was really impressive. Struck out 35% of batters he's faced, even 25% of batters he's faced in the first game with a 15% swinging strike rate. So if there's one thing we can hang our hat on right now, it's that you Darvish is undoubtedly missing bats uh, and that's pretty important. And here's one more thing, and I'll let you run with this one. You can hit on both pitchers. He hasn't walked more than one batter through 10 innings. That is very encouraging. Yeah, for sure. Um, he the At first glance, it kind of looks like his fastball velocity is down, but that's been a result of throwing more two-seamers than four-seamers. More dominators. Yeah. <laughs> In previous seasons, uh, the four-seam fastball velocity is still at 95%. So um, not, not concerned there. And the swinging strikes have looked really, really good. So um, all things considered, I think that Darvish looks good. Um, it's a perfect – it's a good matchup against Kansas City. So I, I think Darvish is a good spot to pay up. All I right, need to close uh, my window. I'll be right back. All right, you're good. All right, well, while he closes this window – and he's back. Uh, you, you Darvish, I think we all – I thought, actually, that he would be a little bit more popular, Adam. I, I actually thought that he would be one of the, uh, the uh, top two most popular pitchers on this slate. Uh, he's 21.8% on, on DraftKings. On FanDuel, you Darvish is 20%. That is the second highest. Uh, we'll, we'll get to your highest zone uh, in, in, in just a moment, but actually it'll be a little while. But yeah, you Darvish to me, the, the price tag is up there. And I think that's the one reason to be a little bit hesitant here. Is the matchup against Kansas City specifically uh, appealing to you? They're not a particularly good baseball team at all. They're walking at a 4% clip against righties this season, which is also very a very positive sign if you're you Darvish. Striking out middle of the league, it's still early, only 337 plate appearances. But um yeah, I, I think there might be a few things in this Kansas City lineup that can give teams trouble just in terms of a few guys that don't strike out a ton. But I still think this is a more than favorable matchup. Yeah, I think it's a good spot. I mean, um, the, the low walk rate for, for Kansas City is good for Darvish. Uh, you're talking about someone that has at times struggled with walks. That hasn't been the case this year. He's only walked two and a half percent, which is another thing really going well for him. But um, th- there's still you know enough strikeouts in this lineup that you can take advantage of. Uh, Mondesi struck out 31 percent of the time against right-handed pitching since the start of 2018. Franchi Cordero's at 30.5%. Ryan McBroom, if he's in the lineup, strikes out a ton. Uh, not sure that he will be, but Solaire strikes out. O'Hearn will strike out. There, there's still guys that Darvish can take advantage of. I think the, the salary is the big thing that's keeping his ownership somewhat in check, like you said, because he's 
just uh, he's a lot more expensive than Clevenger. He's twelve hundred dollars more on DraftKings, and you're obviously getting a very similar range of outcomes between the two. But that's something you can take advantage of, especially if you have a, a cheap SP two you like, or if you have cheaper stacks that you like. You know, we saw the other day where Garrett Cole came in at like forty percent ownership, and the Grom came in somewhere around twenty twenty five percent, just because the Grom was six hundred dollars more expensive. Um, optimizers are definitely going to be spitting out Clevenger over Darvish, so it's it's a spot where you can get the exact same range of outcomes comes at, at lower ownership. Eric and uh, Patricia, thank you for your thank yous. Appreciate you tuning in all the time, guys. Uh, hit that thumbs up while you're at it. Any interest in the Eastern European Croatian Chris Bubic? <laughs> um, nah, I mean, it, it kind of works. Not as even a with a setup like that? Come on, man. <laughs> it, it works as a pivot to Sean Newcomb. Um, Bubich threw 76 pitches in four innings against Chicago in his major league debut. He's one of Kansas City's top pitching prospects. The guy has talent. Uh, he kind of struggled early against Chicago with his location, but then kind of, but then settled in a bit. Um, he got hurt in one inning by an error that drove up his pitch count. So I think you have similar pitch count expectations. You're talking about someone who in 101 innings at AAA last year struck out 28 or sorry, at, at high A last year, um, struck out 28.1% of, of hitters. He projects to eventually, uh, I think, be a good strikeout pitcher, but probably won't be yet. Um, it, it's I, I think he's pretty similar to Newcomb, though, as far as range of outcomes goes. So whereas where right now we have Newcomb at uh, 20% ownership, we have Bubich at 2 the Cubs obviously aren't a great matchup, but neither are the Blue Jays, I don't think. Um, I, I really, if you ha- if roster construction-wise, you're getting on, you, you need pitching in that 6K range. I think Bubich makes a lot of sense just as a, a pivot to Newcomb because they're pretty similar in my opinion. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Uh, that isn't you know, a ringing endorsement, I don't think, from either of us. But uh, just in the sense that, yeah, he's – how much worse can this guy be than, than Newcomb? As a matter of fact, he might even have a higher ceiling. Uh, We don't know that yet, but you just alluded to some of those strikeout numbers. Yes, they don't translate perfectly from the minors. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To majors, but he definitely strikes a lot of batters out. He misses a lot of bats as well. So uh, I don't I don't have any problem taking stabs, especially if I'm playing multiple lineups uh, and I want to get away from a 20% Newcomb who's, you know, quite frankly, ownership is, is a little bit unappealing to me. Yeah, the, the Cubs do have a high run total. I get all of that. But uh, all in all, I, I think it's a it's a spot that I wouldn't be opposed to getting to. What about bats on either side? Uh, either either of these stacks or one-offs stand out to you? Because the Cubs um, just, right now have higher projected ownership than any team on the entire slate. Yeah, so kind of just to reiterate what you were just saying, too. Like, I, I think Bubich right now is a below-average major league pitcher. Um, but there's a lot of uncertainty, whereas we know exactly what Sean Newcomb is, and it's a guy that doesn't right. really strike – too many hitters out and throws a ton of balls. So um, there, there's at least some uncertainty there for Bubich. Um, you know, I think that the more likely outcome is that Chicago lights him up. But 
there's there's at least that ownership pivot. Um, but that that does get to the point of Chicago being in a good spot. You do have right-handed power with Bryant, Baez, Contreras. Souza's only 3K on DraftKings, so he'll probably be one of the more popular value plays. And I think for good reason. Definitely someone you can look to in cash games as well. Um, Chicago getting, yeah, like you said, the highest ownership on DraftKings right now. Third highest top stack probability. So that's the type of team where, you know, you want to, if you're playing them, you want to make sure that you're going off the board somewhere else, whether it's pitching or with the stack that you pair them with. All right. You want to move this on? Yep. Let's talk about the White Sox and the Milwaukee Brewers, Adrian Hauser, Dallas Keuchel. Uh, yeah, two perfect examples of pitchers that you know, are capable of going out and throwing good games. Keuchel's the, Keuchel's, Keuchel's the type of pitcher that most teams would want in their rotation, uh, even if it's at the back end of the rotation. He's just not somebody that most DFS players want on their teams. Uh, and, and I think he, he's got to be a little bit cheaper than that, especially against this Milwaukee team that's got uh, an excessive amount of pop. And then Adrian Hauser on the other side, I, I don't really know. I don't really have much to say about him outside of this game right now has a much lower expected or much lower total than I, than I anticipated 4.4 for the Sox against Hauser 4.2 for the Brewers. But maybe, like I said, it comes down to much better. You have to be able to differentiate between good real life pitching and good DFS pitchers. Yeah. I think Hauser is the higher upside pitcher of the two. Uh, He struck out about 25% of hitters from both sides of the plate going back to the start of last season. The White Sox do have some strikeouts in their lineup too. Um, But it is a, it is a scary lineup in terms of, the power that the White Sox have. They have a lot of power. They have a lot of speed. There's not a a really high margin of error. Um, My biggest concern with Hauser, though, would just be that he's only made one appearance so far this year. He went five innings against Pittsburgh. He threw 68 pitches. So, I mean, you're probably getting 80, 85 pitches here would be my guess, which is fine. But, you know, obviously at this point, you have some pitchers making their third start of the year that are, are essentially fully stretched out. So he's not really cheap. Um, I think that it, it is a mid-range guy you can use if he's getting low ownership just because he does have pretty good strikeout stuff. Keuchel, I'm just not interested in. He doesn't strike anyone out. And Milwaukee has plenty of right-handed bats that, that can do damage against him. Just not a guy that I really want to roster in DFS, like you said. What do you think about White Sox bats, though? I only ask this not because I, I, I would disagree that Hauser actually has a, a decently high ceiling, I also, to be clear on this, I don't know what his pitch count's going to look like. I, I don't know if he's going to be limited to like 80 pitches here. Uh, he threw 68 pitches in five innings against Pittsburgh and looked really good outside of one home run. He was solid. He did he did walk three batters, but he got through five and only threw 68 pitches. Uh, what are you thinking about the White Sox bats against him? Uh, is is there is there a part of you that that thinks this is a talented enough team power laden team uh that could make for a good stack today against adrian hauser even though they don't have a a super high total in particular i like the left-handed power um i think that mancata and nomar mazara are both favorably priced grandall's left-handed or switch hitter but he'll be hitting left-handed as well but he's priced up um but forty three hundred dollars for yohan mancata i think is a really really favorable salary um, Hauser since last season has allowed a 197 ISO to lefties, only 123 to righties. The White Sox are always a team you can stack because they do have so much power and speed. But I think that the my, my main approach would be either mini stacks or one-offs, including Mancata, Grandal, and or Nomar Mazzara. Okay. Keep it moving here. Halfway through it, talking San Francisco and Colorado. We're at Coors Field. 
And no surprise, we should see a high number of runs scored today. John Gray on the bump for Colorado. Always a pitcher that that I was kind of enamored with and at many times let me down. But 5.1 run total for San Francisco, 6.5 for the Rockies. Logan Webb towing the rubber for the San Francisco Giants. Let's start with uh, John Gray. And, and again, we don't need to spend a ton of time on pitching here, but uh, I figured you might have a little something to say on, on Gray because both of us have always had very high hopes for this righty. Yeah, I'm actually interested in him here on DraftKings where you have to roster two pitchers. He's only 7K. You're getting that ownership going to Newcomb at 6K. Gray's gotten much better strikeout stuff than Newcomb does. The Giants aren't a great team. You know, a 5.1 implied run total for the Giants in cores is, is pretty low when you consider the park. And it's not, I mean, it's lower than the Cubs against Bubich. It's not much higher than Toronto against Newcomb. And you only have 8% ownership right now projected to go to John Gray. So I think Gray is a, a good tournament option at SP2. Uh, the strikeout stuff's just better than, than pitchers around him. And I don't really mind taking a chance on Coors Field because he's clearly priced for it and he's not facing a very good offense. I'll be honest with you. I think John Gray is a very, very appealing pitcher today at this price. Go ahead. My biggest concern other than Coors Field would just be that his strikeout stuff does suffer against lefties. um, 21.6% since the start of last year. And the Giants probably are going to have seven lefties in this lineup, including some pretty decent ones with Yastrzemski, Dickerson, Belt. But Again, there's going to be there's flaws on all these mid-range guys, and if Gray's not going to get ownership, I think that he has a higher ceiling than Newcomb or Bubich. Yeah, like, would you rather play John Gray or Marco Gonzalez against the Lakers? <laughs> yeah, did you say against the Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what happens when I talk baseball and basketball? <laughs> I get mixed up. I saw LA. Against the L.A. Angels. I got L.A. right, though. I mean, they're both in L.A. It'd be weirder if I called them the Jazz. But, yeah, uh, yeah, against the L.A. Angels, I'd rather have uh, John Gray for sure uh, and a couple of other options. Yeah, I mean, mean, Tehran on the other side of that game is going to be where most of the ownership at that price point goes. A ton of ownership right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But but among the other 7K guys, I think Gray is actually pretty appealing. So do I. I. Can't say I have much interest in Logan Webb, though. No, I I think that that's where I draw the line on rostering course field pitchers. (laughs) Uh, Hitters here, like I said, 6-5 total for the Rockies, 5-1 for the Giants. Uh, Anybody, or sorry, uh, obviously a a Rocky stack is going to appeal to you. And you know what, even though I said I'm willing to to take a look at at John Gray, and and I think in that mid-range spot, he's priced for the matchup, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I would also say that, that doesn't mean I'm I'm afraid to to get into some San Francisco stacks as well. Uh, they're really getting no ownership. As a matter of fact, when you take a look at the top stack pos- or probability, which the top stack tool gives you the probability that they're the top stack, it gives you their top value, it gives you their value, and then their ownership. Uh, they have t- uh, more than twice, two and a half times the top stack potential uh, or top stack chance than their actual ownership today. So. It's it's worth thinking about at Coors Field where anything can happen. Yeah, I would expect that I get to both of these teams if this ownership holds, just because you have the two teams with the top stack percentage on the slate, and they're they're both projected for a combined like twelve percent ownership. So um, if that holds, you know, I, I'm obviously making it a priority to get there. I think maybe the ownership comes up once we start getting lineups out because you'll see where there's hitter value and, and everything. But um, you know, I, I think that when you look at the pricing on 
both of these teams, especially Colorado, but also um, on San Francisco, they're more expensive than a lot of other good offenses. So I think it makes sense that ownership won't really get there. It's definitely a pay up to be contrarian spot, which is kind of weird being that it's Coors Field. Yeah, I think it's a situation, too, where full stacks will be lower owned than individual plays. Like, yeah, people are going to stack cheaper teams and then throw in Trevor Story at shortstop. But you're going to get fewer teams that have all of Dahl, Story, Blackman, Arenado, and, you know, Murphy. No doubt about it. Uh, but overall, you might see full stacks be down a little bit. And this is still a game that has, what, a 12 uh, or I think it's a 12 over under, which is is going to be uh, probably the no, almost definitely the highest on this slate. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on that ownership and, and, and stick around for for shows later, like the MLB Live Before Lock, where we'll have updated stuff. If you're not a premium sub, you know, sometimes we'll throw those numbers in there for you. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get the whole thing and really utilize it as good as you could if you had uh, a subscription. But at least you'll, you know, be able to hear which teams are popular and which teams aren't, which, you know, that's that's free to you when you when you check out these shows, particularly uh, the later ones when we have more updated and, and accurate ownership. San Diego Padres, L.A. Dodgers, Ross Stripling, Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards, another one. Just an immense amount of potential. It's never really been realized quite yet. And he struck out six batters in each of his first two starts. But he is he, he is somebody that, that has strikeout upside. He's just never healthy, Adam. And I mean, that that's something we've seen on so many occasions. You look at the amount of starts he's made. I 2016, he made six. He made six in 2017. He made 16 in 2018. He made three last year. Uh, he made 32 starts in 2015. The guy just unfortunately cannot stay healthy, but he comes out and he rips off an easy 25% strikeout rate every single time he's, he's, he's actually healthy enough to be on the mound. Unfortunately, he's facing the Dodgers today, but just wanted to throw it out there that when healthy and not pitching injured and not on the IL, Garrett Richards has good stuff. Yeah, best strikeout stuff in this price range. Uh, no real doubt about it. Um, it. It actually is showing up in ownership right now. I was surprised, but he's projected for 20% ownership. I thought maybe the Dodgers would keep people away, but it's very clearly a spot where the salary factor is in the matchup. And that means that you can roster him. You know, if you were his normal 8K or where he should be at 8K, you're not really going to look to him against the Dodgers. But when you drop it 25% because of the matchup, then he's back in play and you're not going to be still throwing 95 too. Yeah. Everything looks good for him. Uh, he threw 90 pitches last start as well. So he stretched out. Um, I think that he's, he's firmly in play as an SP two option because of the strikeouts. You know, it is a tough matchup, but he is a good pitcher and the salary incorporates the difficult matchup. Okay. Yeah. Look, it's a scary matchup for sure. But when you're mentioning price range, you're exactly right. Uh, the Dodgers 4.3 run total really is not that high either, uh, especially for a guy like if you're a 6.2, if you're a $6,200 pitcher on DraftKings and the team you're facing is a 4.3 total, that definitely, you know, you you would think that a pitcher would be higher if you're using Vegas. You'd think that he'd be 7,500 or so, uh, but that's not the case. So yeah, it's 6,200. I'd take him over Sean Newcomb as well because Garrett Richards could give you nine strikeouts if he's pitching well. Yeah, um, ag- agreed. And, and also worth pointing out that he's never struggled to strike out lefties either. Um, has a really good curveball that he can bury against them. Um, can get that slider down and in as well. About a 28% strikeout percentage against lefties over the last whatever parts of the last four seasons Richards has pitched. And uh, Petco Park, another spot where uh, pitchers should thrive. It's it's 
made some adjustments. It's not as friendly, but it's still a very friendly park. Uh, what about Ross Stripling on the other side of this one? He's pitched uh, two games and, well, he's gone seven and five and a third innings in both. He's given up one home run in each of them and a couple or a few runs against Arizona. But uh, he had one fantastic start and one very underwhelming start. He's 7,800 uh, against the San Diego Padres. Uh, this is a team that, you know, we, we've talked about it a lot. They're going to, to, they're going to hit for some power. They're also going to have games where they get completely blanked. They have uh, a top 10 strikeout rate against righties this season, and they're going to walk a decent amount as well. They're walking actually at an 11% clip. So uh, all in all, it's a kind of volatile offense, but also one that, now, if you're pitching well, if you're on it, if your stuff is moving and you're hitting your spots, you could come out of a game with a lot of strikeouts uh, and a really solid start. But is Ross Stripling at this price worth it, knowing that in his first two he has thrown 92 and 86 pitches? I'm surprised there's such a big ownership gap right now between him and Julio Tehran. I was um, shocked by that. Yeah, $300 price difference. But on DraftKings, you have Tehran at 30.5% and Stripling at 5%. I don't know if maybe there's some bias against Stripling because of how he's been handled in the past, but he's fully stretched out. He's starting games this year. You have the universal DH, which probably helps Dodgers pitchers more than any other team because Dave Roberts doesn't have an incentive to pinch hit for them after five innings. Um, the Padres, you know, yeah, they're, they're a talented offense, but there's still holes in the lineup and Stripling has always been uh, a good pitcher. Uh, going back to last year, 24% strikeout percentage against righties, 25% against lefties. I'm not saying that I think he's like the number one pitcher on the slate. I'm just saying that I think there should not be a 25% ownership difference between exactly. Julio Tehran and Stripling. Exactly. That's where I'm at as well. I don't think, I don't think the price on Stripling is, is unfair. Uh, especially like you said, if, if Julio Tehran's price is going to be uh, right beneath him at 7,500 uh, on, on two, on one pitcher sites, it's different, but on a two pitcher site to me, this is a very, very reasonable spot. Uh, do you have any interest in bats from this game? It's it's one that I don't feel all that great about. No, I mean, the, the only thing I would say is that it seemed like recently, even in tough matchups, I'm getting Dodger stacks just because people don't go there. And I like getting guys like Jock Peterson and Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger at low ownership. But it's definitely not a spot that I feel good about. I, I have a lot of respect for both pitchers. Okay. Yeah, and Ross Stripling, not exactly someone that gives up a ton of power. He does give up a little bit, um, but... You know, in this capacity, it'll be interesting to see him if he's coming out here in every single start going, you know, 85 to 100 pitches or somewhere in there. Uh, I want to see where where he begins to to balance out. Let's talk about Texas and Oakland. Uh, Sean Mania, Kyle Gibson. Man, Kyle Gibson, what can, what can I say? That first start for him, he, he was a little shaky in the first. There's no doubt about it. But – one error turned into three runs. He should have been out of that one unscathed. He gives up three runs, zero earned. But what happened is it raised his pitch count up, only went five innings. And I, it, it's, it's just one of these guys where I was really hoping that we begin to see, and it's only one start, I get it, that we begin to see something different in him. Uh, I guess the big question here is, have we seen anything different in him? A guy who you and I have, you know, if we could, we would get on our knees and beg this man to throw more of his off-speed stuff and his breaking stuff. Uh, and in that first start, he did complete opposite, actually, through 27% four-seamer, and his fastball sucks. To be fair, though, he did stop throwing his two-seamer, so or 
cut it back a lot. So that, that that's at least good. Yeah, I, I guess Le- less ground balls. But I I I don't know. I, the guy frustrates me. Yeah, it, it's his his slider is good. His off speed stuff is good. I wish he would throw it more. Slider is great. Yeah. Um. You know, may, maybe he will. You know, obviously it's tough to take pitch usage away from one start because, as we mentioned yesterday, like so much is dependent on counts throughout that game. So um, you can go in with the intent to throw your slider more, and if you're not locating your fastball and getting ahead, you're not going to throw it more. So um, t- it's tough to, you know, take stuff away there. He does at least have that ability. And one other thing that I like is that the A's should have a right-handed heavy lineup. Um, since last year, 25% strikeout percentage against righties for Gibson, only 20% against lefties. So right-handed heavy lineup that does strike out a lot. It's supposed to be around, I think, 60 degrees in Oakland, which also benefits pitchers. There's certainly a path to Gibson having a good game. Right now, ownership for him is coming in at 6%. This is another one, you know, kind of mentioned at the top when it came to pitching that there were a lot of pitching options, but not many that you felt great about. And normally on slates like that, I start getting pretty spread out at pitcher and, and looking to get to lower own guys. Gibson at 6% is certainly in that category because I don't think that he's really any worse off than Julio Tehran or most of these other pitchers in the seven to eight K range. And if people don't want to roster him, I'm, I'm happy to do so. Yeah. Would, would you be surprised if I told you that this season, the Oakland athletics uh, isolated slugging as a team was 24th in the league. I actually would be surprised. I thought it was a lot better than that. Honestly. I guess they, I think they've been playing a lot of games at home. Yeah, so I, I guess so. That, that could be the case. But every time I see them, they're winning. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like they're like eight and four. Yeah. So they're playing, they're playing yeah. good baseball. Two walk off grand slams in 12 games. Yeah. I had the Rangers plus one and a half yesterday <laughs> and in a parlay, which the first leg already won. I didn't tell you that part. No, you I already didn't. hit the first leg of the parlay. And I had, uh, it was bases loaded. Jesse Chavez comes in. What a wild looking creature he is now. <laughs> and, and he comes in and I literally, I, I whisper to myself because I'd come up, I was watching the base. I came up, I turned it on on my phone. I was laying in bed and I'm like, just not a homer, right? Like all I need, anything. It could be a a walk. It could be a, 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 a anything, a, a, a right. single, anything you want. A balk <laughs> and first pitch grand slam. Who hit it? Um, Stephen Piscotti. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Son of a bitch. Anyway, uh, did you talk about? I was I was trying to read through some numbers here. Did you talk about Manaya at all? No, I didn't. All right. Do you want to? He seems very expensive. Why is he speaking always of guys priced? that really frustrate me? What I said. Speaking of guys that frustrate me every single season, big time. Uh, I I just don't see any way I can, I can pay that much for him. The I mean, yeah. He fifty five pitches suck, his first though. start, sixty nine his second start. The Rangers suck. The ballpark is they're bad. Is favorable for pitching. The biggest thing to me though. Um, Oh, oh yeah, he's sixty eight hundred on Fanduel, but only one pitcher there on DraftKings. He's eighty six hundred. He's not. I, I don't think his range of outcomes is any better than than guys that are cheaper. You know, including Gibson, but also uh, the Julio Tehran's, John Gray's. You know, all these Ross Stripling. I don't really want to pay a premium for a guy that that isn't as stretched out. Um, I would like Manaya to throw his breaking ball more. We haven't really seen that but he also has has kind of just not been very good so far um i think that he's someone that going forward will be good he's talked about throwing his slider more but i I have trouble getting to him here the rangers from last year to this so since the start of 2019 
they have a relatively similar lineup. So they had the third highest K rate against lefties. So I guess that would be maybe the only argument you could make. But I don't know. That price to me is just too expensive. I'd rather go elsewhere. Not huge on bats today. Rangers aren't somebody or they're just not a team that is hitting whatsoever, man. It's been dreadful trying to watch this team play baseball uh, on the offensive side, squandering Lance Lynn performances after like ace like performance after ace like performance. They've really been bad. Uh, I don't feel like getting to them all that much against Manaya. maybe a one off here or there, but uh, Oakland against Kyle Gibson's another one where I have enough respect for Gibson to where I think if he struggles, it'll be a bunch of walks and, you know, and he'll single in some runs. I don't know if he's going to get hammered, especially not at, at, at O.Dot Co. So I'm not big on bats here. Maybe you have a different opinion. I think the total just jumped half a run while we were talking about Gibson and Manaya being good pitchers. Um, <laughs> yeah, the but, Oakland A's have a 4-9 total now, it looks like. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, the A's are another team kind of like the White Sox kind of like the Dodgers where there's a lot of power in this lineup. So when they're low owned, they're interesting, but I think that the park, the weather um, makes them and the pricing makes them less appealing than the, than the, like the White Sox or the Dodgers. Okay. couple more to go here and then we'll wrap this one up. Houston and Arizona. Lance McCullers Jr. Back on the mound this season. took some time away with an injury. Uh, I got to say though, he, his his velocity seems okay, but I found it very strange that I saw him throwing his uh, the change up more, and I was like, oh, that must be why he's getting hit. It's not. It's that knuckle curve that's actually getting tuned up, uh, and he has not been missing a lot of bats whatsoever. You go on Brooks Baseball and look this up, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's been a slightly troublesome start for him, and this happens. You know, when you're away from when you're away from real life, like regular season games for a while that can happen is his swing straight rates down the, the knuckle curve. That's his go-to pitch. He throws it more than anyone in the league, not getting the results he wanted through two starts. What do you make of this? I, yeah. I mean, I think it's somewhat concerning, but also, like you said, it makes sense. He, he's had a long time off um, breaking balls in general or pitches that require, you know, feel you're not just going out there and throwing it as hard as you can, like your fastball. So it, it can take some time um, pulling up the, um, movement numbers on Brooks baseball right now to see, you know, kind of what the the difference is on his, his vertical movement on his curveball. Um, he's getting more depth on it. That's normally something you consider good, but you know, in, in the case of someone like McCullers who kind of just has a pitch that's unique to him, I I'd feel better if it was just the exact same as it had been before. Um, I'm, I'm not reading too much into it. Like I'm not adjusting McCullers projection because he's not been great his first two starts. I still think he has a lot of upside here. Um, it is a, a favorable park for pitchers with the roof closed in Arizona. There's probably going to be more lefties than righties in this lineup, which in the past has benefited him because of that curveball. Um, so I, I still think he's a good pitcher. I still think he's a good option, but um, I'd feel a lot better about him if he had been better through his first couple of starts. Yeah, me too. We're both pretty big fans of Robbie Ray, just knowing I that. I think we're always fans of guys that we know have a ton of strikeout upside. And for some reason, you and I love the guys that can't piece it all together. Uh, <laughs> Robbie Ray is one of those pitchers. Uh, as good as his stuff is, man, he can't stop walking batters. He is walking batters at an extraordinarily high clip through his first two games. And I, when I say a high clip, I'm talking 20.9% uh, of batters he has faced, he has walked. Uh, it's nuts. When you have a 26% K rate, your K minus BB rate should not be four. So uh, 
I, it's crazy, dude. I, I know it's early, but it has been, it has plagued him. Adam, if, if he could cut down on walks, even like 30%, 40% cut down on them, you're, we're talking about a guy that's probably $10,000 almost every week. Yeah, and now you get the Astros coming in. Um, walk rates against left-handed pitching since the start of 2018. Uh, Carlos Correa, 16%. Alex Bregman, 13.5%. George Springer, 12.8%. Um, Altuve, 8.5%. Guriel, 8%. This is a team that will drive up pitch counts. They're tough to strike out anyway. They have a ton of power. I never really need to be sold on rostering a cheap pitcher that can strike out 30% of hitters, but... I don't really see getting to Ray here. Like the the pitch count or not the pitch count, but um, the inefficiency on his pitches makes it really, really tough for him to go deep into the game. The Astros aren't a team that are likely to help him out in terms of swings and misses or in terms of swinging at pitches out of the zone. They have a ton of power. They pretty much all have the platoon advantage. I, I don't think I'll be getting there. Since last season, no team, to add to what you said, has has walked more against lefties, against southpaws than the Astros. 11.2% is a team. Uh, their strikeout rate of 17.8% against lefties is dead last by almost 2%. Uh, this is, for a pitcher like Robbie Ray, arguably the worst matchup he could face in all of baseball. Astros' second highest uh, isolated slugging against lefties they're weighted on base average of 362 ranks number one and they're 131 wrc plus dating back to the start of last season also ranks first in the league by eight full points uh i'll tell you this much depending on what astros ownership looks like it's a team wow it's actually up there right now i i still i still have some interest in, in the houston astros uh, my only concern, and I'll let you close this out with bats on this game. My only concern really with the Astros would be that they just all walk and, and, and you just, again, you'll get a, maybe a three run shot, but that you're not going to get the, the, the full team performance that you're looking for because Robbie Ray's biggest issue really is loading bases based on walks. He will give up some power. There's no question about that. And we're at chase field. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know if they if they fully come through in a spot like this. Are the price points worth it on Houston would be the question because they are not that expensive for this spot, but your Altuves and Springers and, and Bregmans are going to be above 5K on DraftKings. I think they'll be relatively easy to stack because like you said, Springer, Altuve, and Bregman are really expensive, but then Guriel and, and Correa are both reasonably priced. Correa pretty clearly is underpriced, but also like your fifth guy in the stack can really save you money, whether you're going to like Abraham Toro at 2,400 or Maldonado, that catcher at 2,800. Uh, you can really get savings from, from the fifth guy here who, you know, wouldn't be the most exciting player, but it would let you get the the good hitters that you really want at the top. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned Ray's power. He really is a, you know, three outcome pitcher. He, he, we talked about the walks and the strikeouts. This guy also against right-handed pitching since last year is a lot of 220 or against right-handed hitting has a lot of 228 ISO. So it's not like he's limiting damage either. Um, there, there is the, the risk that you said where if he's just not anywhere near the plate, you're, you're just getting base runners that aren't really getting you fantasy points. But the flip side to that is if he's missing over the plate, you're getting, you know, if, if he's wild, but, but throwing strikes enough, you're getting three, one pitches right down the middle that the Astros can just tee off on with guys on base. So um, it, it kind of goes both ways there. I think that, you know, Houston's uh, a really appealing stack. Okay. So do I 100%. Uh, all right. Let's close this one out. We got one game to go. 
Seattle and the LA Angels, not Lakers. Almost said it again, though. We've got on the bump for the Angels right-handed Julio Tehran making his LA Angels debut, as a matter of fact. Uh, he returns to make his first start this season, and he'll get a very, very appealing matchup against the Seattle Mariners. Meanwhile, Marco Gonzalez on the other side, uh, he is one of the play- he's another one of these lefties where he is he does he's not a bad pitcher. He gets a lot of called strikes. He just misses no bats, uh, and he'll probably be in for a, for a slight world of hurt today. But yeah, his last start was was spectacular. No earned, six and a third innings, 28 DraftKings points against this same Angels team. Maybe, why do I feel like for some reason I always say this and then Marco Gonzalez goes out and has a great start against the Angels? I'm going to have to look it up. Not that it means anything, it, but I feel it, like, it. It sounds familiar. Right? It feels I like, feel like. I feel like it happens with the A's too. It might, yeah. It feels like, you know, you, you run Mike Trout out there. He's got the matchup against the contact lefty and goes over four every time. But yeah. let's start with Julio Tiran. Uh, these are the two last pitchers that we're talking about on today's slate. Before, be sure to check out MLB Live Before Lock today at 6 p.m. Uh, and NBA Live Before Lock coming up at, I think, is it 1.30, Adam? Yeah, 1.30. At 1.30 Eastern time. Julio Turan, 30.5% owned on DraftKings, 22.2% on FanDuel, the highest pitcher on both sites. Floor is yours. I do not get the ownership on Tehran. Um, I, I understand that he's going to project well because the Mariners aren't very good. The game's in Seattle, um, all of that. But there is a couple of reasons that I think he really shouldn't be as popular as he is. And that it's a spot that I would like to pivot off of if, if that ownership holds. For one, you just, he's, he's totally with Tehran. Um, this is his first start this season, but last year he struck out 20.8% of lefties, 22.1% of righties, um, didn't allow a ton of power. But just not not a great strikeout guy. The Mariners clearly not the best lineup, but they do have some you know decent hitters in there with Seager, Vogelbach, Kyle Lewis if he's in the lineup. Um, but on top of that, this is Tehran's first start of the season. We don't know exactly how stretched out he's going to be. He he even if he's not on a pitch count, you might see somewhat of a quick hook, especially with Joe Madden being Joe Madden. Um, you know we've seen what he's done with Andrew Heaney this year, where at, at you know any sign of him thinking that, that he's tired, just getting him out of games, no matter how well he's pitching. There's definitely some risk that you're not getting like 90 to hundred pitches from Julio Tehran here, which when you talk about a pitcher that doesn't have great strikeout stuff is just overall, not a great pitcher is really popular and isn't that cheap. You know, he's not expensive, but there's a lot of pitchers around him that um, are fully stretched out and, and have better strikeout stuff. I really don't get why he's getting as much ownership as he is. If Julio Tehran breaks the slate at 30% owned, I'll just, I'll live with having my lower own Ross Stripling and, um, you know, whoever else I get to. For sure. Uh, that ownership shocked me. A couple of things before we close this out. Uh, thank you, Sean Logan, for the two super chat. Appreciate you. He says, thank God for MLB. And Jacob, uh, awesome.com behind the scenes guy does some phenomenal stuff. Uh, he says for Adam to take his hat to the dry cleaner, super chat, $5. <laughs> Uh, and then Patricia asked, how do y'all remember all these numbers, Adderall? Which is hilarious because I literally said that to you this morning. Not that either of us are on it, but Adam was talking about how coffee makes him more productive, but he's gone down a rabbit hole with Carmelo Anthony bench number, some some wild stuff. And I proposed that maybe he was on Adderall instead. So great minds think alike, Patricia. All right. And yeah, again, thanks for the super chats, guys. Marco Gonzalez against the Angels. Close this out with pitching and hitting. I know you've got a show coming up shortly. 
Yeah, I mean, Gonzalez is what he is. Uh, he's not going to miss bats, like you said. He gets a ton of infield fly balls. He throws a lot of strikes, stays in, and the lack of strikeouts in the lineup. Um, I do have some interest in the Angels because of that power. Uh, right now, they're getting ownership. But if that were to come down, then I would start to be interested. Um, you know, you do have Trout, Rendon, Upton, uh, all with power from the right side. So um, Joe Adele also up, who's one of their their top prospects, and he's only 3K on DraftKings. Uh, so definitely keeping an eye on the Angels to see what that ownership does. All right. Hey, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Help us get over 100 here. I know it's a smaller show talking MLB and not basketball, but every gesture helps us a ton to combat that YouTube, that pesky YouTube algorithm. All right, what are we doing with hitters here? It's the last game. We'll run it out right here. Angels with a 4.8 run uh, run total, 4.3 implied total for the Seattle Mariners. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's primarily the Angels for me, but again, ownership dependent because I do think Gonzalez is a decent pitcher. This isn't a park that is, is going to play up power too much. Um you could certainly argue for leveraging against the 30% on Tehran if, if that's going to be the case, but I still don't want to do that all too much just because there's still 20 offenses on this slate and the chances of Seattle being the top scoring one are so low. Okay. I guess that'll do it, huh? Yep. That's it. 10 up, 10 down. Appreciate you guys hanging out. As always, hit your thumbs up and subscribe. Hit the notification bell on your way out. And don't forget to come back 1.30. Adam is going to be with who for the Live Before Lock show? Spags. All right, Chris Spags, Adam Sher, uh putting in the work 1.30 to 2.30, Live Before Lock for NBA. Monster contest across the industry today. Thanks for hanging out as always. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning on the MLB Strategy Show presented by Super Drift.